Hello and welcome to another episode of No Plans to Merge. I'm your host, Caleb Porzio. I'm your other host, Dan Colburn. And today's episode is brought to you by Rogue Amoeba. Thank you, Rogue Amoeba. <laughs> Rogue Amoeba does not sponsor the show. They did it. Oh, they have point. in the past. They have in the past. But Daniel and but I just spent the last Caleb like, just realized how cool Rogue Amoeba was. Yeah. <laughs> so it's retroactively. Just so intensely amazing. What great software. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine being the guy who wrote all of that? Like, what kind of weird obsession you'd have to have with specifically like the audio tool chains within Mac OS? Yeah. I don't know. It's like it's, such a obscure thing to be really good at. But it makes perfect sense. Just like zoomed in really hard on this this thing. Uh, it's beautiful. I've, I had Loopback installed like years and years ago. And mm-hmm. I was always like annoyed by it. I didn't really understand its use. And then I forgot why I installed it. And then uh, Audio Hijack I, I installed. And I love it. But it, it's actually confusing because I thought I'd be able to install Audio Hijack. And just by the name... I thought that, oh, I'll be able to like transform an input. So my mic input, I'll be able to transform that feed, like change the EQ, something like that. And you can. And it's in like a workflow editor. Like uh, like if you're editing like an Alfred workflow, like you just like create a new thing and put it in little line. Little nodes like, and little Yeah, connectors. nodes, exactly. Like a yeah. mind mapper app. Mm-hmm. Totally great. Um, but there's no, like I'm looking for the the thing where you like pipe it into a virtual input, you know? Mm-hmm. where you have like your own random virtual input that doesn't exist which is a little surprising but you need a loopback so loopback is the key to that you can just pipe it into loopback and then loopback gives you your virtual device so if you're yep. comfortable with like and i think the apps are like sleek and well written enough that that it doesn't and feel like, like oh i have to run like Photoshop. really well yeah right like i literally there's like an option in loopback to pull in audio from an application and you can select audio hijack and then uh and then pipe it out to your virtual device which is totally awesome virtual dude there's so many good programming metaphors here like virtual input virtual input devices in general like that that's just a fantastic like it's a facade let's talk about that is it a facade it's a it is a facade uh yeah and, it's and not a facade in the laravel sense oh yeah okay yeah you're right it is it's a container yeah, yeah. like it's it's inversion of control it is definitely inverse. Zoom depends on a input device, and right. loopback is changes the binding in the container of what what's going into that input device. Yeah, and so you can never. And this is like the whole like the whole promise of like inversion of control, right? Is that like Zoom doesn't need to care about what your audio setup is. You just tell Zoom, listen to. Daniel's everything device, which is my thing is actually called everything device. Um, So I have a virtual device called everything device that just has all audio from my system and my microphone piped into it. Cool. Mine's Um, called uh, Loopback 3. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) But it's like you just tell Zoom, listen to everything device. And then it's my business what I send into everything device. And I use a tool that's more qualified for that, like Loopback, to manage that. Right. So it's inversion of control on which means both ends. So Zoom doesn't care about where that audio comes from and Loopback doesn't care about where that audio goes to. Right, exactly. Loopback doesn't care about Zoom. Zoom doesn't care about Loopback. You've inverted control into a virtual device, which is phenomenal. It's a phenomenal model. In Audio Hijack, so we're describing the interface where like you start out with an input source. You like drag an input source in and then you drag in things 
to sort of mutate that input source. You can fork, mm-hmm. you know, you can like yep. have two so things. A, yeah. A given node can have multiple outputs, whatever. Did I explain my wife's podcast recording setup to you? Because it is so sick. So normally she and her co-host record in the same room, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I have basically the same interface I have now, which is the Tascam US 1x2, but I got uh, a 2x2 two two for them. So it just has two mic inputs on it, hmm. right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yep. Um, but there's some weirdness with it where, you know how sometimes my mic audio will only come in the left channel? Yeah. Um, so on that one, one mic goes in the left channel, one mic goes in the right channel. I guess it's like a USB bus problem or something. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, it's only on the Mac. On Windows, it works fine. Okay. But uh, anyway, what what I'm able to do in Audio Hijack is I make... I drag two copies of the same input i pipe the left channel of one into one stream and the right channel of another into another stream and i stereo pan it so that both of them are now stereo streams right of of one microphone and then i record each of oh and then i put a little level meter in front of each so that you can tell if there's clipping and then each of those goes into their own mp3 file Mm, yep and then those two mp3 files go out to a single mp3 file so they get one giant mix down of everything Mm -hmm. but if there's ever a situation where someone's audio was messed up and we want to like fix it you also have backup copies of the two individual mp3 files Mm -hmm. um and then they recently had to do an interview over skype so then i installed loopback use loopback to pull the skype audio in as a third input device Mm -hmm. and set up the exact same workflow for that so now you're getting uh four files so one for each participant and one for the master mix down that is fantastic it's so cool that is fantastic audio hijack gives you full but with loopback as well you have full power like there's nothing you can't do yeah Um, especially if you have like a programming mindset like it really it's just a bunch of functions it's like functional programming drag and drop right it's functional programming so i'm I'm headed somewhere and i have a question and i want to know the answer can you take two inputs and pipe them into the same mp3 file? Uh, yeah. So in Audio Hijack, a transformation can fork, but it can also merge? can also merge. Oh, decal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So that final mp3 file. Yeah, that okay, I'm that's what I thought. I zoned out for that part, though. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to make sure that that was the case. Yeah. Okay, decal. Yeah. Here's the thing. Well, mm-hmm. So the, the transformations that you're just exactly mm-hmm. functional programming um functional transformations like it's the same reason that functional like collections you know transforming a collection is so nice because it you're making these discrete changes at every step in the chain uh-huh something where collections falls short that audio hijack is showing us and i and i i realize often that i need this that i want this is forking to be able to fork a transformation and merge a transformation so like so often I'm in a collection so I think chain you can do that. Okay. Right. Um, it's just that the interface isn't like a visual. Exactly. One. There's no, is there a way to have like the concept of forking? The problem is it's a single chain of methods. So if you did a fork, you would. Oh, you're talking about like doing it fluently. Yeah. Like you can't do it fluently. So I'm wondering like, is there, what's the alternative, you know? Besides just like storing each part in a variable and then 
continuing their transformations and putting I guess them you back, could add you like know. a you could add like a split model mm-hmm. or a split method but then the merge the re-merging would be impossible right yeah yeah i guess the the actual need that it, that this usually starts with is like some t- somewhere in a transformation i want to access i mean what- the original collection or the mm-hmm. collection as it existed in one spot in the transformation yeah well that's what uh temporary variables are for i know i'm just saying just then you yeah, have to yeah. do like a use statement and pull it in and it, i don't know yeah, 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 I don't have a perfect concrete mm. example, so it's probably not worth digging into it. But yeah, but yeah. uh, but yeah, no, it is very much just like fl- like functional fluency. Yep, which just feels so good. Yeah, it's it incredible. Feels so good. Yeah, oh. and it like works the way I think. You know. Yep. Exactly. That's how. And it's that's... the so the crazy thing is like this. Uh, we didn't mention this, but like you can. So, you, you know, VST plugins, they exist in the world. Mm-hmm. And you can just pull any VST plugin into Audio Hijack as a node. Which means... I could auto-tune. Literally, I could inline you auto-tune. Could auto-tune. You could auto-tune we should our do conversations. That. I should get... You could pull, like, an arpeggiator into our conversations and turn us into dubstep. Like, you could do anything. You could just pull any random VST plugin for any purpose into audio hijack which means like you're not stuck with like the best eq system that like this dude could come up with you can pull you can pull like the eq system that they use to make the hit movie cars Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) like (laughs) lightning mcqueen (laughs) lightning mcqueen sounds crispy let me tell you so yeah you just gotta you gotta respect good software man and it's one of those things where, like, I'm always excited. Like, we were just talking about maybe using the soundboard thing to to run our music through. Mm-hmm. I'm always excited when the opportunity to buy another Rogue Amoeba app comes up. Because <laughs> I'm like, I want to just give them all the money that I have. Mm-hmm. Or, like, all the money that I can give them. Yep. Um, but, like, my heart won't let me buy an app I'm not going to use. You know? Yeah, yeah. So whenever something comes up where I'm like, oh... I could use the one Rogue Amoeba app I haven't bought yet. Dude, for I, mean, that. That, I feel that way about everything. Yeah. Oh, I can finally buy that thing. That's what I did with but the it, iPad was like for the longest time. I was like, I really need to do more design and strategy and planning so that I need oh, to right, have an right, iPad. Right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's really great. And uh, I, you know, you know who else is like that is Cory Doctorow. A- any Cory Doctorow book that comes out, I'm like, oh, I must buy this. What's that? Cory Doctorow is like a science fiction writer, but also uh, works for the Electronic Frontier Foundation. Hmm. And uh, he started Boing Boing. Not familiar. Um, Boing Boing is like a big blog on the internet. Uh, um, yeah, I know the internet. Not Boing Boing. You've Boing. heard of the internet. Uh, yeah. What's that guy's name? Cory what? Cory Doctorow. 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 All right. I'll uh, keep it up here in Google and uh, maybe I'll read something he's written. Oh, so good incredible yeah that's his personal site oh cool all right check it out um he helped me with the paper when i was in ninth grade really yeah so this is back in the like uh the days of uh drm on music mm-hmm. and uh he was one of the main he was probably the most public face of the anti-drm movement oh cool in the in the early 2000s yeah and uh I wrote a paper in ninth grade about DRM 
um, and like uh, copyright and the concept of DRM and why it was harmful. Hmm. Um, and uh, I asked him to like read it and help me with it. And I emailed it to him and he was he was in the middle of doing like a like a fellowship where he like taught a semester at Oxford University mm-hmm. and he podcasted. This is 2006, 2007. How old was I? I don't know. Probably 2005, 2006. Um, and uh, he, they podcasted his university lectures. So every week a new lecture would come out from this like Oxford class that he was teaching. This was before iTunes U, before any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just like amazed that I was like hearing college lectures from a person who I was really interested in come out like in real time. Hmm. And uh, so I just emailed him and I was like, yo, uh, what's up with this? Like, uh, here's a paper I'm writing about DRM. Like, what do you think about this? And he was like, this is cool. Like here, he helped me out with it. He gave me some recommendations. Yeah, it was cool. He said like, don't use passive voice in this sentence. And he like crossed no, out. No, 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 no. It, it was more like, <laughs> it was more like this argument's good. Here's like, yeah. here's a case about that. That's cool. You know, so it was cool. Wow. D. Cole, you were a dude. You were killing it in high school. Shoot me, dude. Cory Doctorow. Um, I've been getting into uh, writing recently. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I uh, like, like fiction? No. Just like just getting blogs? into the, the the craft of, you know, writing. Like I do a lot of writing, but trying to like become a better writer, you know. Does this just mean that you bought Scrivener? What's that? <laughs> it's like a writing app for the Mac. Oh, yeah? Or, or Ulysses. Those are the two. There's like Ulysses people and Scrivener people. What do they do? Is this like Grammarly? What but what does it do? No, uh, it's like you can write chunks. Okay. And then like arrange the chunks. It's like. Oh. It's really. Uh, the workflow is very cool. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so it's like, imagine you were writing like a book, right? That. And you're like, okay, well, I want like, like I can imagine it working really well for documentation, right? Because you're like, okay. okay, I know how I want to document this method, like the X4 method of Alpine, right? Yeah. I know what I want to write about X4. Yeah. Um, and then I know what I want to write about all these different chunks. I have no idea what order they should go in. I don't know hmm. which one leads naturally into the other. So you just write all of them without thinking about that at all. You just write them all as chunks. Yeah. And then you can like move them around and then the transitions are separate things that you can write later. Interesting. Um, yeah. Huh. And it, it also doesn't use the concept of pages. Right. Okay. You know, unlike, you know, Microsoft Word or something. Yeah, I didn't even realize that that was a like a thing anymore. I forgot that pages exist. And mm-hmm. then um, I was telling my my cousin, John, who listens to the show. He's probably listening to this. He's He's been featured on the show a bunch because he's like an audio nerd. He's just like a, he's just super into everything in the world. He's the magic guy. Like he just, yeah, he's the reason I know. Uh, what's that book the that you were reading? Uh, Erdenace. The, er, yeah. the, uh, the expert at the card table. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, anyway, he he's the person that I think I like. You, I've mentioned this to you before, but like of all the people I know, you and him are the closest in terms of like, just like all these random things you guys share in common. Excellent. Anyway. Yes. Um, so John, oh, so I'm telling him about bear and he, so he's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And he like tries it out and he's like, oh, well, it, he reported back like, oh, I can't use this. I'm like, what do you mean? It's like, there's no pages. It's like this. He was like kind of, it was like novel to him. This idea that there's like no pages. 
he's a writer yeah. he's a lawyer he's in law school like he just you know he's been reading and writing his entire life like nonstop. um nice some some uh uh card deck asmr um but anyway yeah and i was like whoa that's crazy he's like yeah i it's like part of part of it part of writing to him is pages so that's bear so is weird. like out out for him he's like yeah no I that's couldn't. terrible yeah no wild but i guess i don't know i guess if you write for paper you have to think about things like that. right felt yeah i don't know yeah did you say he's a lawyer uh he's in law school he's he's okay so yeah he like growing up this guy like so my my aunt was an english uh teacher and i don't know it's just wild like he he's read more books than i've he probably has read more books than i've read by the time he was like six probably just Hmm. one of those people you know he didn't have like video games or tv it was just like reading and and uh, he's listening to this and thinks i'm misrepresenting him probably (laughs) but it's like i had video games he did um he was really he showed me like linux he was my first introduction to everything programming on the the ti-83 like i owe so freaking much to that guy nice anyway um decol so writing and so you know i cracked open the elements of style of course elements of style familiar decol i assume it's a style guy interesting i'm surprised this is uh um it's like the book in writing i don't know it's like the uh what what well, all books are in writing <laughs> it's the book in the written word i mean um yeah that's what they're all in <laughs> it's uh the elements of style is like you know uh what it's like the emily post of writing yeah yeah <laughs> uh it's the the only reason i know about emily post is my cousin john <laughs> so like i the only reason i understand half of what you say he's well mannered as well <laughs> he's super into that stuff um anyway decol uh refactoring the martin fowler book yeah that's like Uh the programming book right what's the programming yeah if you had to pick one book what's the programming book not your favorite but what's the book you know yeah i mean i don't know probably that i haven't read that many programming books that's interesting yeah, I just uh, donated half of my programming books because I think, yeah, really? I don't, the only, I mean, I think refactoring is useful. I think uh, it's good to have the Laravel book to support Matt. And I think the, anything Sandy Metz writes is worthy of a bookshelf. Um, Don't make me think, stuff like that. But I don't know. I donated a bunch of like the head first, like design patterns and mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff, you know. Yeah, uh, learn, learn DHTML in thirty days. <laughs> What's DHTML? Is that like an old DHTML? Way? Yeah, DH dynamic HTML was like uh, the original Alpine. Is that a server side like include engine? I think it was. Yeah, but it was like basically you would write your markup, um, and include in it some functionality. Like mm-hmm. it was like. It was like HTML that had a little bit of functionality. And I think it was server-side functionality. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it was like before everyone wrote JavaScript. Yeah, and yeah. Before, you know, like all of that. It was just like, I remember my friend Ray Suzuki, who was the person who got me into HTML, um, who now 
uh, I think he's like an industrial designer in Denver. Um, he, um, he had like a book, a bookshelf full of old programming books, like too old for either of mm-hmm. us, right? Like old school, like C++ books and stuff. Okay. And he hadn't read most of them. And then there was like a bunch of stuff about like Macromedia, Shockwave, and you know, mm-hmm. just like random, those books, yeah. you know? And uh, one of them was learn DHTML in 30 days. Nice. <laughs> and I didn't. Yeah, it took you 31. It's like advent of code. It's like, take, taking me the rest of my life. It's like Othello, a minute to learn, a lifetime to master. Uh, what is it? What did you just say? Othello. What's that? The well, it's it's a play by Shakespeare, but it's also a uh, board game that's kind of like a like a child's version of the game Go. What's Go? Go is that game you've probably seen where it's like a big wooden board with a grid on it and uh, like old Chinese guys placing um, white and black stones <laughs> on the board. Not familiar. Anyway, okay. Othello, a minute to learn a lifetime to master. That's the tagline. Othello the is like the like '90s American version of Go that you could buy at Target. Okay. Um, what is a minute to learn a lifetime tagline, to master? The tagline of the game Othello right. was a minute to learn a lifetime to right, master. But why did you say that? Uh, DHTML. DHTML right. Like right. That. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I still haven't mastered it. Oh, I was gonna say like the the advent of code um phenomenon like there should be a word for this like the advent of code syndrome or advent of code effect where like you think you're going to do something every day for 30 days but you only do it for four days and you make a github repository Mm. with three or four entries (laughs) caleb i know you think i know you think that our discussion of the game of go is over but it's not (laughs) Uh oh can it be Nope. Okay. Uh, okay. Here's here's what I'd like to recommend to you and the listener. Uh, first of all, I'm going to recommend a piece of media, and I don't know the name of it. So okay. good luck. Um, <laughs> so you know how like uh, when computers beat people at chess, yep. that was like a big moment for like computers. Yep. Um, and uh, that was done with. Uh, pre-built engines, right? So basically the engines uh, were sort of formulaic, right? Like they had watched a lot of games or they had like a bunch of games in their their memory. And so all of their calculations were based on all of this information they had been fed by the developers, right? Um, Well, there's this new type of game engine um, that is totally from first principles where they teach it the rules of the game only. No. It's and not just a neural network have, of past games. Then it's... they have it play against itself and whichever one, win- you know how like generational um, training works where like the winner goes on to train again. And basically it's like this infinite exponential tree of these ais playing different versions of themselves and the winners advancing to the next round and then they like make a million of that one and then they all play versions of themselves and then the winners advance to the next round and they make that a million of those ludicrous. and they all play so. and so crap 
um chess so there's um there's several but the uh oh man it's like silverfish it's not silverfish people who know about chess are killing me right now but there's a the best stockfish stockfish.js is a javascript chess engine that can run in the browser that is like one of the smartest chess engines in the entire world <laughs> um and no one knows how it works hmm. and if you watch chess engines play each other there's these weird middle games where they all make these really weird positioning mm -hmm. moves like they'll sometimes they'll move the same piece back and forth several mm -hmm. times but like what it is is like they're getting tempo or something you know like they're getting like ahead on moves or behind on moves intentionally mm -hmm. so that like they can do the thing they're actually trying to do it's really interesting um anyway recently several years ago a computer finally beat a human at go go is infinitely more complicated than chess um it's actually much simpler to play but or to learn to play because mm -hmm. there's only one type of piece um but it uh the divergent possibilities at every move of the game are so big that it's literally impossible uh for them to do the strategy that they used to do of like having it have a plan for every single yeah, move right yeah you know um go it's like after like five moves you get into the point where like it's impossible yeah. to have that many calculated plans um and so go had to be like a actual strategy based ai um and so the team uh that built the go thing that beat uh that beat uh, the first person or that beat the world champion was uh, it's called AlphaGo, and it's an AI that was built totally by playing against itself. Um, and now that AI has been used to play League of Legends. Oh, so this AI goodness. now has been trained on how to play League of Legends and can beat like the world's best professional League of Legends players. It is insane, Caleb. And there's an excellent documentary. This is what I was going to say. There's an excellent documentary about the AlphaGo team and the process of building the AI to play the world champion of Go. And there's this moment when he loses. It's like a best of five type of situation, mm -hmm. right? And there's this moment when he loses the first game to the machine where you see his face and you hear him talk and you realize that like he really didn't believe that a computer could ever be yeah, a human yeah. at this game and he like realizes in this moment that like this thing that he's dedicated his entire life to doing manually is better done by a computer and trying to reconcile like what does that mean for the game what does that mean for my for life for humanity and like it really he when he speaks about it it's he's a chinese guy so it's all kind of translated but like when he speaks about it he speaks in like extremely like universal terms about like what this means for humanity yeah, and right. the future of humanity and it's like really really interesting do so, you see a future where like i mean this is totally i i imagine this will happen that like the interesting thing will be to create AIs and have them compete. And then like your team mm -hmm. is really like a team of developers or mathematicians or thinkers 
creating an AI and then setting it against another closed like black box AI that another team has built and seeing, you know, who outperforms who. Yeah, well, and that that's interesting. And so what's really interesting about professional chess now is that all of the real human chess players have access to these computers. Mm. And so in their preparations for games... They can play against the best player in the world. Well, and it's like if you have a theory that like, oh, this might be a strong move, you can just instantly know whether it's a strong yeah. move or not. Right? And so all of the like major movements like are like there there are positions that are like well-known winning positions because now we know according to computers that this position is stronger than this other position and so players are no longer playing like as direct of a game as they used to be playing they're now playing a game about like getting because a human can only remember that certain positions are good and other positions are bad you know and so um they're playing this weird game where it's like the whole game is in the transitions from position to position, right? Because it's like, okay, I know the starting position. I know the position I need to get to, to win this game. And there's only like, comes down to like two moves. There's only really like two decisions in a lot of chess games. And they're just like, to make those decisions, you have to, in your mind, play out so many like divergent things and like you're relying on things that you've seen computers do playing against other computers mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. stuff. It's really interesting. If you watch like Magnus Carlsen or any of the kind of like modern day, like the new era of chess players talk about it, it's really interesting. Computers are cool, dude. Interesting decal. Tell me more yeah. about these computers. <laughs> They're cool, decal. man. Yeah. I know you thought the conversation about the elements of style was over. <laughs> <laughs> Wrecked. But uh, but it's the not. elements of style, Ben. So I revisited it. It's just, oh, it's so phenomenal. And I'm also reading On Writing Well and also something, I don't know what it's called, writing. Oh, writing is for everyone or everybody writes or something. It's like a play on everybody poops or something by Anne Handley. Sure. Of, of very smart person that I subscribe to her newsletter. She's like a content marketer person, subscribed to a newsletter a while ago. Her newsletter is just so engaging, like way more than every other email newsletter I've ever really read. And I love it. And I'm like, oh, this is, I just love reading it every week. And I don't know, like writing has become that thing to me that's like really sexy to get good at for some reason. So now I'm like kind of into getting better at it. Um, and coming at it like kind of like uh like uh, Adam Wathen coming at design, you know, like um like a programmer learning design instead of like all of these nebulous yeah, yeah, yeah. things. It's like he's like, well, why don't you know like this is better than this, or like here's a little trick to to make this look good, you know? Um, and sort mm-hmm. of I'm looking for the same thing in writing, like the refactoring writing, which the same principles basically apply to refactoring programming and all this to say that if you read the elements of style it's like reading a guide on how i like to program it's pretty crazy like even down to like paragraphs like if paragraphs were functions you know like a lot of the refactoring that goes into a paragraph is similar to the refactoring that goes into a function and a lot of the ideals inscribed in the elements of style like using plain language and all of these things there's so many parallels it's unbelievable 
Like it, it is actually unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Do you think, um, do you think there's like some universal truths in knowledge work that are like incommunicable, but like there's like some sort of a yearning that we all have when we like make things, you know, that, and that show up in as like jargon in different mm, fields, okay, okay. you know, but like really under the hood are the same thing. Give me an example. Yeah. Well, like what you were talking about, right? Like the plain language. Thing, yeah. Right? right. Is a really interesting thing. Cause like what a lot of it is like, there's kind of this avoiding the temptation to become too technical. Yeah. Right. When, you know, and, or to like show off your chops, yep. even if only to yourself, right. you know, and like all of that stuff, like they all kind of, you can come at it from a bunch of different angles of like why, like use plain language feels so right. Yep. Both in writing and right. in yep. code, you know? Um, but like when you look at sort of any craft, I feel like that principle might just exist in all of sure. them, but it's not, but language isn't the medium in all of them, right? You can kind of argue that like in code and writing, it's both language, you know, even though code is code and writing is words. Um, but like you're still naming things and, you know. Yeah, for sure. Right. No, I mean, and I don't even but I mean... wonder. I wonder like how many other crafts, like if you start to think about that principle as like being less about like words and people understanding them and yeah. blah, blah, blah. So I guess there's, um, well, there's the idea of like there, there's so, okay, here's a pattern that don't do more than. Yeah. You need to I mean, that's something, something that like shows that, up in know? every craft. So like woodworking, but it's also, it's also a style thing. Cause like you see, so in on writing well there, you know, that, that's a lot of what she's preaching, but then she goes into, uh, talking, she's referencing like an author who is extremely ornamental, like adorns every sentence with these very fancy words. And it's an art piece and it's beautiful. And, but she's like, but he can do it. Like he's, he like earned that, you know, like he mm -hmm. started from the bot, like he stripped down to the essentials and then built, like he has enough of a mastery of the English language for that to work and be his style. But then she compares like E.B. White, like an incredible writer who has a plain style and What's his name? The guy who wrote Walden, you know, Thoreau. Like, uh, you know, yeah. if you pick up any chapter of Walden and you'll read like the most plainly said thing, you know, it's just so plainly said. Um, so anyway, but, you know, so actually this is perfect transition to woodworking because Walden and Thoreau, he's like, um, what's that era? The, the, like the transcendentalist movement, like late 1800s. Anyway, um, basically the movement, the arts and crafts movement in the, the mm -hmm. late 1800s, early 1900s, that uh, yep. basically birthed, it was like a reaction against like the ornamentalism, if that's even a word, of mm -hmm. like the Victorian era. So in like Victorian sure. like woodworking, you can imagine all the ornamental, the or, 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 ornaments, anyway. Um, ornamental. Yeah, yeah, but then like in woodworking, it like moved to like yeah. mission style woodworking, you know, that like that you can picture if you go to like a Frank Lloyd Wright, like um, architecture, yep. like, you know, you go to, you can imagine that, you know, that style of woodworking where everything's mm -hmm. tongue and groove, um, mm -hmm. uh, not tongue and groove, uh, mortise and tenon joints, you know, and tongue, and, but yeah, mm -hmm. mortise and tenon, everything slat, plain, you know, like very much mm -hmm. like honest, it's honest. It's like stripping yeah. it to its essentials. Um, 
Yeah. So anyway, I think there is, so I definitely have like, I guess what I'm saying is maybe it's not just that simplicity or only using plain language is like the way to do something best. It's like, it is my, it's something that I encounter and gravitate towards in every field I encounter. And there's a massive group of people who also do that. And then there's a massive group of people who don't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's PHP storm users uh... and there's VS code users. (laughs) Well, I I used to be a a cook professionally, Uh right? And I like worked in, I guess you could argue it was fine dining at the time. The food truck? Um, Like it was, no, no, not the food truck. Uh, This is like a restaurant in Baltimore. It was like probably the most popping restaurant in town at the moment that I worked there. Um, And uh, it, I worked for this guy named Cyrus Kiefer, who's like a G and you should check him out if you're ever in Baltimore. I don't don't know what specifically he's doing right now, but he's always doing something. Um, but he used to say, don't finger fuck the food. (laughs) And that was his way of saying when you're plating, Mm -hmm. right? When you're putting food on a plate, what you will inevitably be tempted to do is arrange the muscles Mm. so that like the best looking muscle is on top. And like, you kind of like point them upwards in a little bit of a pyramid and you drizzle in this kind of way that you've seen like hotel chefs do. Yeah. You know, and there is this di- dichotomy in re- in cooking between like hotel people and restaurant oh, people. Oh, interesting. Because the hotel people are all about like very fancy presentation. Right. And uh, we were like a more rustic fine dining restaurant. And uh, anytime he would see you like sort of like flourish something mm. or like once you plated it, if it didn't look perfect, if you went back and tried to make it look yeah. better. He would be like, don't finger fuck the food, right? He's like, the food needs to look like it fell out of the sky like that. And if you dropped it out of the sky and it didn't land perfect, you're only going to make it look worse by trying to make it look better. Wow. Like, don't yeah. finger fuck the food. And that was just like the Cyrus. And the other great Cyrus Kiefer mantra, which is perpetually stuck in my head when I cook, don't be afraid of the salt. Oh, yeah. Just like, because like he's like, if you think about how much salt to add to something, instead of just following your instinct, you will always add too little salt. He's like, you just have to follow your instinct. Like, figure out how big of a pinch it feels like it should right. have in it and just kind of go for it. And then taste it. You know, taste it. Make sure you're not crazy. But, like, don't be afraid of the salt. Like, salt's not going to kill cool. you. Well. Yeah. If you got high blood pressure. <laughs> but come on. That's not my problem. I'm just a cook. That's style. That is that is, yeah, that is style. style. Um, don't be afraid of the salt. So I'm streaming in uh. eight minutes and I don't even know eight how minutes. to use OBS properly. Um, oh no yeah you should i should probably, probably figure, figure it out, out but dude but... this is like oh man this conversation is i love I this this love is one of, this is we should pick up this style conversation i don't know i don't know if we'll be able to recapture the magic but like just style well, in general the importance is that the magic is in us caleb so we don't need to recapture this magic if we show up the magic wow, will be there decal i think you're right yeah um mm-hmm. so with that i suppose uh oh also oh so i encountered on dribble an artist who is does like 3d work and I have a vision, like the future mm-hmm. of graphic design is 3D, basically. I think we're going to, I think it's going to be the new trend. I think everybody, everything's going to be 3D. I think the more. You should, you should look into graffiti a little bit. I'll send you some stuff. Okay. Anyway. Um, so I, I like, I used to be really into 3D. I would spend like every day after school in cinema 4D mm-hmm. watching Grayscale Reel and making 3D stuff. So I just like cracked open Blender like the other night, Ooh, like nice. late at night, like two nice. in the morning cracked open blender and i think i might make the liveware logo in 3d and make it really like sexy and plasticky and Ooh. like uh like really like like shiny yeah, like sh- like it's plastic like a, like injection molded yeah. yeah 
um have like really soft light it's gonna be it's gonna be cool uh anyway awesome style man i'm looking at his page i'm like this is he's like oozing like style is oozing out of the things this guy's doing it's crazy that is my favorite thing in the world is pursuing style like Mm. my gosh all right six minutes so let's kill the stream here or kill this uh audio hijack this is a podcast that we do daniel cue the outro music cue the outro music Bum, nah. Bum, ba-dum. Do, 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 do.